This Cap Times podcast is brought to you by Exact Sciences Corporation, the makers of Colaguard. Learn more at exactsciences.com. Welcome to On the Cover, a weekly Mad Splainers feature. I'm opinion editor Jesse O'Poyan, and I'm filling in for podcast producer Natalie Yar, who sits down each week with the reporter behind our latest cover story to find out why it matters. Today I'm talking with Cap Times politics reporter Brianna Riley, whose latest cover story takes a look at Battleground Wisconsin heading into the November 3rd election. So, uh, Brianna, normally we would be doing, uh, I guess, a podcast about your cover story, but there's kind of a lot going on uh, in your on your beat right now. So I think we're just going to take a little step back and have a conversation about everything that's going on in your world right now, which um, is a lot. You're, you're a little busy, maybe? I think that's fair to say. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so we're basically like a month, less than a month out from election day. And, you know, Wisconsin continues to make national news for one thing or another every day, <laughs> or at least every week. Um, and, and it's definitely still, I think, a crucial state in the eyes of both campaigns based on the amount of attention that we've seen given here. So where does the race, the presidential race stand in Wisconsin right now? Yeah, so we have pretty recent data from the Marquette University Law School poll. Luckily, it came out last week, Wednesday, um, but it showed that so Biden is plus five here in Wisconsin, which means he has 46 percent of support to Trump's 41 percent. And then meanwhile, the third party candidate, Joe Jorgensen, has four percent. But your polling um, for that candidate just started last month, I believe, because that was when ballot access was granted officially. Um, but it, it's really interesting to look back on the last five or six months of this poll because the margin between um, former Vice President Biden and President Trump has been very, very consistent over time. It's, it's you know, gone between plus four Biden to plus six Biden. Um, and, you know, Charles Franklin, the poll director himself, has said that he hasn't seen it so steady um, in the 2012 and 2016 presidential races. So it's a really interesting sort of scene setter for this election cycle. And we've seen a lot of action here in Wisconsin from both campaigns. Um, can you give, it's, it's hard to keep up with it. It's probably going to change by the time this even comes out. But can you give maybe a little recap of what we've seen from the two campaigns in the last few weeks and, and what we might see going forward? Sure. So President Trump has visited Wisconsin five times since January. Um, Vice President Biden has also visited the state two times, and that's not even including including surrogate visits or um, vice presidential candidates, so Kamala Harris and um, Vice President Pence. They've also both been to the state. So there's been a lot of on-the-ground action and events surrounding those things. President Trump, of course, has held really big rallies. He had a couple of them planned um, in Janesville and Green Bay on October 3rd. But he, you know, a couple of days prior announced that he had tested positive for COVID-19. Um, he is, you know, it looks like he is coming back to the state this week, though. Um, so he's, you know, after taking a, a couple week break from the campaign trail because of his, you know, because of his recovery process, um, it looks like he's he's coming back. So there's been a lot of activity from both campaigns, though, even even aside from 
you know, those presidential visits. Um, we have Republicans that are, you know, a Republican Trump victory organization, which is a combination of the RNC and President Trump's reelection campaign doing doors everywhere in Wisconsin, or at least everywhere that that, that makes sense for them to do doors, right? <laughs> and then we have, <laughs> we have the Biden campaign um, that has, you know, for the most part, been very, very opposed to doing doors. They are sort of making it a moral, uh, an issue about morality, right? They don't want to spread COVID-19. They're taking COVID-19 seriously. But then on October 1st, um, the Biden campaign did announce that they're going to start doing doors in some um, swing states. So it, it's unclear if that'll happen in Wisconsin or to what extent that might already be underway. But that's something that I'm certainly going to be keeping an eye out for is how the ground game escalates in the coming in the coming three weeks before the election. Sure. So the president testing positive for COVID-19 is huge news. Um, in addition to that news, we've had uh, the first presidential debate. Uh, I guess it's up in the air whether we will have additional debates, but we've had the vice presidential debate. Do these events, um, from what you've seen, appear to be doing anything to move voters' opinions in Wisconsin? It's so crazy. You you would think that those two huge news events, or you know, even President Trump's tax returns that the the New York Times reported on, um, would have done something to move the needle. But the Marquette University Law School poll, the latest one, was actually in the field um, as all of these news events were breaking. Um, so it was in the field two days, and then and then President Trump had announced his positive COVID diagnosis and. They were in the field three days after that, and basically they found no change really in in um, in voters' perceptions of how President Trump was handling the COVID nineteen crisis, or in the head to head matchup between Vice President Biden and President Donald Trump. Um, so it's just really interesting. Um, the the poll itself notes that you know twice as many respondents said. Former Vice President Joe Biden did better in the debate, but that didn't translate to any movement whatsoever. So it's it's really it's just such a bizarre cycle where these these major news events that you'd think would be moving the needle or at least have some impact on our polling here just aren't. That's fascinating. This podcast is brought to you by Exact Sciences. Join the Madison-based team working to lead earlier cancer detection. Visit exactsciences.com to view the company's hundreds of open jobs. So your cover story this week, uh, broadly speaking, is about the battleground that is Wisconsin, and you're looking at kind of how the two campaigns are approaching it. You mentioned a little bit already about the differences between uh, ground game and that approach. Um, but how did you go about reporting this story? And how is that maybe different than you might have done a story like this not during a pandemic? Yeah, so I, you know, one of the things I really missed about my job for the last seven months or six months um, was was the opportunity to kind of go around the state and talk to people, um, talk to voters, talk to people who are affected by policies and things like that. So I did that for this cover story, which was really exciting. I went to Hudson a couple weekends ago and talked to a bunch of people. Um, and then I also went to Franklin over this past weekend to watch the Trump victory folks go door to door. So it was really exciting to be able to have those in-person interactions with people to really better understand 
how they're perceiving the election cycle um, and how organizers are, are approaching it. You know, it, the, the approach in Hudson, for example, among the Democratic Party or the St. Croix Democratic Party is so different, right, than, than how um, other party, uh, county parties operate in different parts of the state. So it was really beneficial to be able to do that traveling rather than try to convince people to speak with me, you know, person they've ever met from Madison about, about, the, yeah. about the things they're passionate about this election cycle. So um, it was it was just great to talk politics in person um, with a, a, a pretty wide swath of voters, I would say. It is definitely one of the most fun parts of the job. And I think, yeah, like the, the thing that you immediately miss and realize, yeah, this is like kind of what makes this job great. And then when you can't do that, you're sort of... Uh, adrift and, and don't know what to do. So what did you hear from voters that you've talked to about the issues that, that are most important to them right now? What do you think is going to drive people and uh, their decisions on November 3rd? It's fascinating. It really varies person to person and, and seems to be contingent on political beliefs to some to some extent. Um, so, for example, for some people, you know, some voters and organizers, they say there are, you know, many big issues in this election cycle. And for other people, it's like, President Trump, you know, a very polarizing national figure is is the reason people are voting or not voting this cycle. Right. Um, so it, in terms of issues that are important, if people say issues are important, um, you know, you usually hear about the COVID-19 crisis, either as a singular issue or COVID-19 as it impacts healthcare, the economy um, and education. Um, you also hear a lot about just the economy in general, especially if you're talking to Republicans. Um, and, you know, there are a whole host of issues in between. People have mentioned the Supreme Court vacancy as a really big deal and related issues like healthcare access and abortion access um, as, as sort of stemming from it. So there's maybe different issues are getting a sort of a re renewed focus as this new cycle has continued. Obviously, President Trump's COVID-19 diagnosis has push that back into the headlines a little bit more, not like it was ever really out of it, but there is certainly a renewed focus on that as I was talking to voters over the weekend versus when I was in Hudson um, talking to folks. So it, it's really interesting to, to sort of see that reflected in people's perceptions of, of what's important in this cycle. Yeah, it does sort of seem to shadow over everything, uh, every issue at this point in one way or another. So we're we're three weeks out from election day right now, and you're going to have a probably a lot of sleepless nights and crazy days. Uh, what are you going to be watching for? What do you think your job as a politics reporter looks like between now and November? Yeah, so there's there's a lot to look out for. Uh, it's very exciting. I know I don't look excited right now, Jesse. Maybe <laughs> <laughs> a little tired. <laughs> okay. Um, so yeah, there's a lot to look out for. Um, the, the thing that I mentioned before is sort of whether there is any further October surprises, I guess. And, and, and if so, to what extent they do move the needle. Um, it'll be interesting, you know, just to kind of see when, you know, Judge Amy Coney Barrett's nomination goes through, you know, what that process is like and if that does sort of energize Democrats, as, as some people think, or energize Republicans or whatever. Um, so that'll be really fascinating. And then, of course, just keeping an eye on any last minute election changes in the courts um, and how that could either give voters more time to return absentee ballots and have those counted or um, 
you know, keep the normal 8 p.m. on election night deadline that we all have come to know and love in, in this state. <laughs> also, of course, you know, keeping an eye out for any any further presidential visits, um, any, um, you know, further big media buys. The Democratic Party in Wisconsin has had just an influx of cash over this cycle. It's been really incredible to see them funneling that to the legislative races, especially their vulnerable vulnerable members and potential pickup opportunities. Um, so it, it'll be really fascinating to see at the legislative level to what extent that pans out, um, to what extent, you know, that money keeps flowing in and then being funneled to these these more vulnerable members. So that's definitely something we have to look at. Um, obviously, the legislature, you know, legislative Democrats and Governor Tony Evers have launched the Save the Veto campaign to try to protect the governor's ability to veto policies as he doesn't like from the Republican-controlled legislature. But um, if Republicans pick up three seats in the state assembly and the state Senate, they'd be able to override his vetoes. Um, it's looking pretty increasingly unlikely that that's not going to happen, but it's still, you never know, you know, <laughs> you, you really never know, especially in Wisconsin. So um, let's, let's keep an eye on. <laughs> yes. Uh, yeah, that's probably the slogan for Wisconsin. You never know. <laughs> we, we, we didn't even talk about the legislative races, so we're going to have to uh, jump over in a few weeks to wedge issues and talk about what happens there, because um, I think it'll be interesting either way. Uh, so we'll have you back soon on wedge issues to talk about all of that. And in the meantime, thanks for uh, doing this on the cover podcast about so much more than your cover story. Thanks so much for hosting. I appreciate it. Thanks for listening to my conversation with Cap Times state politics reporter, Brianna Riley. Tune in next week for a conversation about our next cover story. If you enjoyed this podcast, please subscribe to the Mad Splainers on Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, or wherever else you do your listening, and leave us a review while you're there. Also, be sure to check out our other podcasts, including The Corner Table, all about food and drink in Madison, and Wedge Issues, that's mine, all about state politics. Until next time, thanks for listening. This podcast has been brought to you by Exact Sciences Corporation, the makers of Colaguard. Once again, be sure to learn more at exactsciences.com.